Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 24 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, whose fantasy team, unlike my beloved Brooklyn Nets, is one week away from a championship, and I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Plumo was good. Nothing, man. I just want to have a shout-out to my boys, the villain Cats, on their final four berth. It's time to shut down, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a big week for you for your uh, for your teams here. We got the Villanova, and then uh, Orlando Magic just completely blew my Brooklyn Nets away. We didn't even talk about it just because it's not worth talking about. But it was it was one of those games that was probably over six minutes into the game, and everybody knew. But we are going to get into our show. We're going to go with while you were watching TNT, we were watching the San Antonio Spurs. We're t- sort of trying to trend towards the championship contenders. We showed. We showed all of those teams love earlier in the season. Like, we got your Milwaukee Bucks talk. You know, we bet you with some uh, – uh, who else did we do? We got some uh, Detroit Pistons talk in there. I still love my Pistons. But uh, we're going to go towards the championship contenders now that we're getting close to the playoffs. So we got the Spurs this week. And then we're going to go into some March Madness. But we're more concerned – you know, we're NBA guys. So we're more concerned how it concerns the NBA and, and the future of, of these guys' careers. But first, the outlet pass. Again, we're we're trending towards the playoffs. In our outlet pass, I wanted to go with the Western Conference bottom feeders this week. We currently have four teams fighting for three spots, essentially. As it stands now, we got Portland in the sixth seed. Utah snuck into the seventh seed somehow, and they're currently beating the Golden State Warriors as we speak. And then Houston and Dallas are now tied for the eighth seed. So two questions for you, Andy. Who is the odd man out? But more importantly, who gets the sixth seed? Because let's be honest with ourselves, that's the only team that really stands a chance. Well, I was going through my little mode of mostly have a bit of an easier road than others. But my True. the the way I the way I have the four, which is Utah, Portland, uh Houston and Dallas, is I Mavs finishing outside, which goes right along with my prediction of being a complete disaster to start the season. <laughs> Help, helps me right. a little bit in the long run there. But I have Houston claiming the eighth seed. I have Portland claiming the seventh seed, and I have Utah claiming the sixth seed. Although Portland owns the the tiebreaker against Utah, and that could come down to it. But I have Utah going forty three and thirty nine, Portland forty two and forty, forty one and forty one, and Dallas thirty eight and forty four. Wow, so you have Utah sneaking all the way in there. If you remember in the preseason, you actually had Utah just on their way out of the playoffs, and then you sort of flip-flopped a little bit. At the beginning of the season, you had, you had time because you saw the Portland or the uh, Phoenix Suns For sure. shift is complete. Yeah, Phoenix Suns ship was just completely sinking. Everybody saw it, and you abandoned the Phoenix Suns ship very quickly before I think you got off of it before it actually sunk. Um, well, so if you remember correctly, had... if you remember correctly, you kind of talked me into Utah on, I think it was the first show. And I kind of, by the end of the show, I was like, oh, man, because I really like Gobert, and we talked a lot about Gordon Hayward. So, I I, I don't, yeah, the Phoenix Suns thing, we'll forget that was ever even said. (laughs) You did have immediate regrets about about the uh, Uh, the Phoenix Suns over the Jazz as we were talking. But I have it pretty similar. I also have Dallas on the way out, and it's kind of ironic because if you remember the beginning of the season as well, we were talking about we both did not like Dallas at all. And we were talking about injuries being their demise at the beginning of the season because if you remember in the preseason, they had a lot of guys that were – we didn't know when they were going to return. You had Wesley Matthews, Chandler Parsons. You had all these guys kind of coming off injuries, and we were wondering, will Dirk stay healthy? 
and they really at the beginning of the season were relatively healthy and now it's actually injuries at the end of the season that I think are going to do them in with obviously the annual Darren Williams injury and then you have Chandler Parsons out for the season and now you're kind of depending too much on Dirk and I just think that does them in. They're very depleted. Um, So I think they do end up out. I actually have um, Utah's eight. I think they're going to slip back to eight. I have Houston as seven and I think Portland holds on to that six seed. Um, I'm really looking forward to a Portland OKC series. That might be a little bit of my reasoning for, for why this is happening, um, why I picked it this way. But I, I just don't um, I don't trust Utah. They're just too inconsistent for me. I mean, they're a defensive-minded team, which is, which is a great thing, but they really, really have a hard time generating offense at times. And I think when it comes down to these late, these late, late games, I think at some point you're going to be getting people's best shot and you're going to need a bucket, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really their Achilles heel is, you know, who they depend on. Is Gordon Hayward that guy? I, I, I still don't know. So I have Utah 8, Houston 7, just because they have Harden, and I think that's the guy that can get you buckets, and they're just a weird team. You know that they're going to, like, do some weird stuff at some point in the season. So, And then I got Portland 6 because I've really been impressed with Portland. I mean, I'll tell you, of all of, all of those teams um... – I would say that Portland probably has, or, or not Portland, Utah has the hardest schedule left. Uh, talking about Golden State tonight, they're going to play the Spurs, uh, the fifth. They're going to play the Clippers. They do have a few easy ones in there, too. They have the Lakers. They have uh, the Suns. But, I mean, Houston has easy. But Houston just don't trust. I feel like Houston's biggest enemy, like they can't get out of their own way. But I mean, they right. have the Thunder. But they, they, I mean, they end the season with the Suns, Lakers, Timberwolves, and Kings. So I mean, if they don't go three and one there, you know, I, I don't know. But at the same time, I just, I, it, it's everything's pointing against Utah. I mean, personally, but I, I just feel like they're going to win, you know, five games maybe, and they might start tonight. Although it's kind of early, right? What's what? Where are we well, at with that game? Right now, there's about six minutes left, and they're up by six. But you know, it's, it's also Golden State, so they can score. Six points is, is nothing. That's two Steph Curry threes in a span of ten seconds, and you got a tie game. But we'll, we'll, we'll oh, there's my refresh button. Yeah, we'll keep track of that game as we're going along though. here. Yeah, so it'll it'll probably be done by the time we're done here. So we'll have a better picture of Utah. But we are going to move on. While you were watching TNT, we were watching the San Antonio Spurs, the Immortals. Um, a terrible, just a completely terrible four and two weeks for the Spurs, you know, based on what the Spurs usually do. Um, they had losses to Charlotte at full strength, which is an amazing comeback by the Hornets. Um, and then they lost to OKC with the flag at half staff. Um, wins versus Memphis twice. They had two games against Memphis. They win against Miami. And then whatever is left of the Pelicans, they beat tonight. Andy, let me just read you really quick the uh, Pelicans starting lineup for tonight. Uh, we had Dante, Dante Cunningham. Um, and then a Alexia Jinsa, Omer Ashik front court, even though they're both centers, so they have like a power forward and two centers starting. And then Tony Douglas. I like Tony Douglas. I'm a huge Tony Douglas fan, actually, low-key. Um, and then Jordan Hamilton, who has been probably on every NBA team in his like two-and-a-half-year <laughs> career. <laughs> the guy is like flown around. The only guy I can think of that has had more teams than Jordan Hamilton is uh, Anthony Randolph. Remember that dude? Everybody thought he was going to be the truth. Like, that dude oh, had, man. like, seven teams in, in two years. Uh, but, yeah, that was the Pelican starting lineup today. So, how many Spurs games did you watch, and what were your impressions? Andy, 
think you cut out on me there, Andy. Seventeen. Um, okay, I, I got you back now. But uh, how many how many games did you watch? I caught uh, I caught actually both the Grizzlies games and I caught about three quarters of the Thunder game. Got you, got you. Okay, so I also caught the Memphis game because Memphis is like this is my heart right now. The uh, the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies are back, and somehow it took Mike Conley and Mark Gasol getting injured for that to happen. But I don't know how it happened. But uh, I'm I'm in love with the Grizzlies again. Lands make them dance. Um, so what what were just some quick impressions of the Spurs? You know who who really stuck out to you? Is, is it Kawhi Leonard? I mean, I think that might be the obvious answer, but you know, just just a, a quick impression. I mean, I I think. To me, it's kind of almost hard to talk about and really seem enamored. I, I mean, I feel like if any team is business as usual, it's the Spurs, and it, it always kind of is, even with the new faces. We're seeing that twist with Archis Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard taking the, the reins. We've seen Ginobili and Tony for so many years. Um, you know, I, I thought – probably one of the coolest things for me in this whole stretch here are the two games that Marcus Aldridge had against the Grizzlies. You're right. talking a 31 and 13 game and a 32 and 12 game. And it's just like, I mean, game was, was nothing big and he didn't even play against the thunder, but I, I little buzz MVP candidate. And then it turned out, and eight this year, his PR is almost 23. I think he's having a phenomenal year. Obviously, Leonard's the best player on the team, and I, I'd be ashamed to mention him. But, but I think really the thing to me is Lamarcus Aldridge, and I think he's Golden State too, in a sense, because I feel like the game they did take against Golden State, it was the, I think Kawhi Leonard got 25 shots, and he just went to work. And I think they need to do that because I feel like if you're gonna, because let's let's be frank here. No, no, I'm sorry. It, Golden State and the San Antonio Spurs, we're expecting to see them in the Western Conference Finals. And I feel like the Spurs have to establish against Golden State. And, you know, that win was, was one of those things that, that showed you the Spurs can beat Golden State while playing their own agenda. And I think LaMarcus Aldridge is probably the biggest cog to that being the way he can get you bucket. Yeah, we, we, we did talk about that last week as well. That that was actually one of my points is that the biggest impression from that game, even though we did say it was kind of business as usual as far as the Spurs defeating the the Warriors, was that um, if, if LaMarcus Aldridge is going to have that kind of performance against the Warriors, then that is something that could sort of translate to the playoff time. But the one thing I got to say about the Spurs is that you're right. It's just a machine. You know, I just think of Ivan Drago. It's just like that, that's just all, that's just what I think of them. It's just like a cyborg. They're not even human. I don't even know how it works. But I have a funny stat for you, Andy, and I, I think you're going to like this one. Who do you think has the highest PER on the Spurs? Kawhi Leonard? Nah, not going to be able to do it. Lamarcus Aldridge? FOH. Tim Duncan? Maybe next year when you collect Social Security. The answer is the god. Boban Marnjanovic. That is the highest PER on the entire San Antonio Spurs team. I found that out as I was doing some research. I just had to point that out. But on the court, it is all, for me, it all comes down to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the the leap that he has made this year is, and I think this is a point that you brought up. You might have been talking about Kawhi Leonard, but you, you were talking about most improved player and how it's it's always – you know, the guys that should get it are maybe these better players. And I think Kawhi Leonard is the most improved player 
in the league this year, and I don't really think there's much doubt about it. I mean, it is going to go to a guy like Will Barton, but it is Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's interesting. We talked about Steph Curry being the most improved player. Oh, one of those right. things where they do kind of reserve. And no, and I don't disagree with you. I think Kawhi is also a great candidate for this award. I mean, it is. It's one of those things that's almost like, well, we can't give it to you because we're already going to probably give you like an MVP award or something like that. We talked about LeBron James in the past not winning a Defensive Player of the Year award because he wins the MVP or, you know, something like But yeah, and also while we're talking about the Spurs, shout out to Matt Bonner for uh, going to the tiny house life. This guy saw this guy on TV. He wants to buy a tiny house. He's like 6'10. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Bonner. You see, it is like the craze now, the tiny homes, man. <laughs> My man Matt Bonner's going to have five rings, and nobody's going to know why. <laughs> it's just going to be a thing where Matt Bonner has five NBA championship rings. I don't even know. But uh, the other thing I wanted to point out to you is that Tim Duncan has been sneaky good defensively this season, and I think part of that is him playing with another big like LaMarcus Aldridge. You, you do sort of kind of, as you watch him, you, you do reminisce about those like Tim Duncan, David Robinson days kind of a little bit with the Twin Towers. Um, top 20 in defensive win shares and top five in defensive box plus and minus. So even though a lot of people have sort of said that Tim Duncan has done that, you know, he doesn't really do much for this team, but I think you do see a defensive difference when he is in the game, specifically when he is in with Aldridge. And I think it does make a big difference with the team. And I say that to say that I think that the Spurs need, still need Tim Duncan to be successful. And I know that that sort of seems like a throwaway statement, but from the talks of the media and just, you know, you, you just hear around that, oh, you know, this isn't Tim Duncan's team anymore and they don't even need him. He can just sit on the bench. I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I think this team still needs Tim Duncan to be successful, to beat the Warriors, to beat the Cavaliers, to win a championship. This team needs Tim Duncan to play 20, 25 minutes a game and play them well and play them at the level that he has been playing in his late career. And, you know, one point out, besides the fact that I'm looking at Tim Duncan's profile here, and it's a little sad to see him, his facial hair and that hair, his jersey. Um, you know, yeah, a little bit of black, a little bit of white, a little bit of gray. That's over there. So I, I will say this. And when I look at Tim Duncan's stats from this year, and talk about a guy putting up, you know, Samuel Dallenberg numbers, eight and seven with a block a game. But the thing, <laughs> and I think, I think this is really, but this is really but it shows it shines out with players like this because you're talking about a guy with eight and seven and his PR is going up towards 18 a game it shows you all the things Tim Duncan does when he's on the court yeah absolutely um, and, and like you're saying it's, it's the little things it's understanding it's the, it's the game of basketball it's not we need to Tim knows where to be. He knows where to make the pass. He knows where to shift the offense or the defense. And it's those little things. And it's not even just him. There's a lot of other guys on this team. And this team's been getting away with that for a long time, not even necessarily older players, but guys like a Bonner or a Boris Diaw or Danny Green. These guys are just Yeah, those guys come in and they just, Good they basketball just make a little, 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 and they little buy difference. In. Yeah, and, and they buy in. and a little I, different. Have him just out there being the granddad on the court. He's the father. He's showing these guys what to do. He's he's leading, you know, while being on the court. He's coaching on the court a little bit. And and I do. I think it's it's almost invaluable what he's he can't do for this team and what they'll need him to do if they want to try to win a championship. 
Sure. I, I don't think there's any question about that, and I agree. That, that's that's why I, I wanted to bring it up because I, I do think people are trying to throw Tim Duncan aside, and I don't think that's true. The one thing I will say is I'm not really a fan of these – you know, the Spurs do this every year. Not every year, but a lot. You know, we, we've had Steven Jackson in the past, and they, they kind of make these midseason pickups. I'm not really a fan of, of what they've done so far this this season with Kevin Martin and Andre Miller. Andre Miller I like a little bit more than the Kevin Martin thing, but the Kevin Martin thing really uh, I'm not a fan of. And I know, like, ultimately it may not make a difference, but we've seen historically in these in these series, in these pickups that, you know, it's like Coach Pop masterminding it. And, you know, a lot of times these guys play a much bigger role in the playoffs than, than we think they're going to. But – for this season particularly, I just I don't see it. I don't know how you feel about those 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 pickups there. If you want to discuss them a little bit, damn man, Hold on. I can't stop looking at the picture. Um, I think <laughs> Kevin Martin. Here, here's the thing with Kevin Martin, and I'm on to you about Kevin Martin. This is going to be the part of the show where I throw a little shade at Kevin Martin, and I kind of hate to do it because I've always wanted to bat for this guy over the years. Kevin Martin is the epitome of a player whose stats look good until he's on a team where it means anything. Like, we saw the same type of stuff with the Thunder. Like, he could not play. I think he needs to have his. He needs to have the ball. I mean, we're talking a guy who once, like, led the league in his or attempts or something like that in the same season. It was, like, a really odd stat. We've talked about that before, too. I, I only thrives when he's able to do a bit of the dictating on offense, uh, move with the ball, shoot the ball a lot, things of that nature. Because I feel like every time there's been a situation where Kevin Martin was going to play a, a role of value on a team that could actually do something, it just doesn't seem like it's worked out. I mean, we remember you know stuff he did with the Timberwolves or stuff he did with uh, the Kings or the Rockets back in the day. And it was always kind of like, uh, you know, Kevin Martin's a pretty good player on kind of a yeah, and I, I think that, you know, some guys are like that. And I think you, you really nailed it when you said he seems to be the kind of guy that needs to dictate, which is the exact opposite of somebody that belongs on the Spurs. The Spurs is all about not needing to dictate, being a part of the team, you know, getting the pass, making the extra pass uh, when when necessary, but also taking your open shots and sort of knowing when you when you need to take shots and not when you need to just kind of lay off and, and let these guys do their thing. Um Two, two quick things that I, that I want to bring up, and then we're going to get to the elephant in the room question. One uh, is just really quick. I think the LaMarcus Aldridge Kawhi pick and pop is, is just the future of the NBA. I just want to see that play for the next 10 years of my life, just pick and pop, Kawhi handling the ball, LaMarcus setting the screen, and then he can either roll or pop. Um, speaking of pop, uh, Coach Greg Popovich, as we all know, is great. But I think he might be the best inter- Internet troll of all time, and I say that because – how many of us were really looking forward to that San Antonio OKC showdown and we're like, oh, okay, but is Pop going to just pull a pop? And of course, of course he does. He just rests everybody. Nobody plays. He just drops out, oh, oh, you're really looking forward to this? Are you on NBA TV? You really want to watch this? Okay, why don't you watch Patty Mills play 35 minutes a game? See how you feel about that. Why don't you watch Andre Miller start at point guard? See how you feel about that. Because Coach Pop is just the greatest internet troll of all time. That's what I got. And the man who has probably had the biggest smile on the face when that happened was Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr loves every time when Greg Popovich just pulls some shit. Right. Absolutely. So the elephant in the room question is quite simple, and I think it might be an obvious answer, but I was curious what you thought about it. Um, is this a championship or bust year for the Spurs? 
can they conceivably not win a championship and it be a not a successful season, but not you know not a failure? I, I mean, I, I no, I feel like not winning a championship is a failure. I think it it would look a little less of a failure being that they're not even going to finish with the the best records of the X. Plus, for once in a while, you could actually say, well, our future is still a couple of guys who aren't, you know, ready to retire. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Stalker is just like 31. But him... You love the ages. You're you're always all about the ages. Lamarcus Aldridge is older than I thought he was, though. That's for sure. I did not. I remember fantasy basketball like five or six seasons ago. People thought Tim Duncan was done, like done. This was his last year, and like now he's still here, in ten a game. I mean, I just feel like you know these guys can't play long, but we've we've always been for the Spurs to completely you know be wheelchaired off the court. Yeah, it, it's crazy. A couple of, crazy. of even if Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan retire you know, at the end of the season, you still have Kawhi Leonard and Lamarcus Aldridge, and they're still your first and second best players on your team. So I think they'll, it will be a fact. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree. I, I think it would be a failure if they don't win the championship, but it, it's hard. It's hard to justify that completely when you when you do take into effect that. Golden State may be having the best season in the history in the in NBA history, you know. So if you lose to them, I, I think you can sort of sell it. And I mean, I know they're the Spurs, so it's not like they have to sell it to anybody. Their success speaks for itself. But I think in the uh, in the grand scheme of things, when the uh, you know when the pundits are on ESPN for in, in the July dog days of July, and then they're sort of trying to sell this, I think you can sell this as a successful season for the Spurs, even if they don't win a championship. I guess that's what I'm saying. But we're going to move on. We're going to go in a little bit into March Madness. As everybody knows, this is college basketball time, even though I, I don't want to speak for Andy, but I'm not really the hugest college basketball guy. I always swear I'm going to get into it more each season or swear I'm going to get into it more before March Madness starts, and then I just end up not doing so and just kind of watching when the tournament starts. But we're going to go with three categories that we want to know um, when it comes to the NBA because we're going to kind of focus on the NBA draft a little bit. Um, the one is sort of a little obvious. Um, a more obvious category. Andy, who is going to be the number one pick? That that basically is my question. Who's the number one pick this year in your mind? It's going to be Ben Simmons. I just said it. It's got to be. You know, here's the thing, and I really like like Brandon Ingram, and, and I almost want to say him, but I feel like when you look at two guys in, like, Simmons, Simmons the, the, people think he's a can be a point guard, I think. I think that's I think that's where the whole argument goes, and it goes away and dies. Yeah, can, I mean, if Giannis like Adetokounmpo can be a point guard, if Giannis Adetokounmpo can sure. be a point guard, I suppose Ben Simmons could be too. But I'm also going with Ben Simmons. I think a good comp for Ben Simmons is a pretty recent one, which is Andrew Wiggins. Um, not as far as like their games, but as far as their projection in the terms of Ben Simmons was like the universal number one pick, you know, coming into the season. And then he kind of played on a bad team, um, whereas Andrew Wiggins was universal number one pick, and then he kind of played in a bad system for him specifically for his talent, and he wasn't utilized properly. Um, and I think that sort of gets people to think like, oh, maybe this guy isn't a number one pick kind of talent. And, and then they sort of start looking elsewhere. And I think in the end, 
Wiggins became the number one pick, and I think in the end Ben Simmons will also do the same thing. And I think Simmons will be good in the NBA, even though it is kind of troubling that he doesn't have a jump shot. But as we always, me and you always discuss, you can always learn a jump shot. Jump shot is the easiest thing that you can ever learn. Um, the next category I want to go into really quick is there's always this guy that performs in the tournament, and then he goes about 10 spots too high. I call this the Derek Williams factor. So who is the Derek Williams of this draft, a guy that's going to go 10 spots too high just because people are wowed by his performance in the NCAA tournament or just what you think is going to come out, you know, as the draft comes approaches? As much as I, I, I think I almost feel like uh, and not necessarily because of his play in the tournament, just because of the name sometimes. It's going to depend on whether he actually decides to come out or not. Is uh, Grayson Allen from Duke. I feel like he's one of those who just kind of is going to jump a lot higher. He, uh, I, I saw some of his comps were like Bob Sura and Courtney Lee, and I think those are beautiful. Um, I think those <laughs> are exactly the kind of guys. I almost would draw him into like a, a Jimmer Fredette category, and, and I just I think it could be a disaster. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, Bob Zura and Courtney Lee do not scream a uh, lottery pick to me. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Demata Sabonis out of Gonzaga. Um, I think a lot of times with, with these with these higher seeds, I think it's it's sort of uh, it's easy to kind of fall in love with these guys in the, in the span of a tournament. And I, I like Sabonis' game. I don't know how well it translates to the NBA because he is so slow and because he is sort of a more of an old-school kind of player like his dad was. Um, I mean, he is more athletic than his dad, but I think he's the kind of guy that you're going to see maybe go lottery or early, you know, early lottery, late, like late teens kind of thing. And I think he's more of a late first round, second round kind of guy. And I think he'll be maybe a rotation player, but I don't think he's worth the pick that he's going to go with. And that's why he's going to be too high. Imagine that. Um, The third category is a new category. Uh, We're going to go with who is this year's Draymond Green, you know. You, you always see these guys, you know, usually a senior guy that played four years, kind of in a good program, but he knows he doesn't really get that that draft stock. You know, he might go in the late first round, in the second round, but ends up being as as we can see, like Draymond Green being a, a catalyst and a great player, but it doesn't translate well because guys are always looking for upside in the draft. They're looking for those freshmen, those sophomores that you can be like, oh well, in three years this guy's going to be a star. So who is the Draymond Green of this draft? I'm leaning towards my man Mello Trimble from Maryland. I think that, yep. you know he's he's got that good build for the point guard. I I always feel like these point guards kind of automatically get the advantage here because it's I... that's a good pick. Yeah, I was thinking Mello as well though. Yeah, it's it's he's he's one of those guys. I think he has flashes where he could be one. At the same time, I mean, he we don't know like. Right, right. I'm going with uh, – actually, I'm actually going with a guard as well. I'm going with Malcolm Brogdon out of uh, Virginia. I really like the defensive intensity, which was the first thing that drew me to the Draymond Green comparison, even though they are completely different players, different positions. But the guy really locks up defensively. I think he can be, you know, your third guard in like a three-guard rotation, like an Avery Bradley, if you will. I think that's a good comp for him possibly. And, you know, a guy like that being taken in the second round, which is where he's projected for a lot of like late first, early second round. That's just unacceptable to me. I think. Um, I think a guy like that is definitely a first round pick. Any any time you can get a guard that plays defense, that can play both ends of the floor, that can drive to the rim. I think it, you, you'd be foolish to to take him in in the uh, in the second round. 
So we're going to move on to the end of our show. But first, Andy, tell us who we were watching for next week. So speaking with golfing and and I I was torn here. I think I want to watch you. You almost talked me into it. This team we watched before, but since we're in the playoffs, I want to watch the Grizzlies. All right, let's watch the Grizzlies. We did watch them before, but if we're going to go back to back, let's go grit and grind. Um, quickly Absolutely. with the end of our show, there's there's always somebody that needs more people. Uh, every week that Jay, like Jay Z said, we don't believe you need more people, and every week in the NBA, somebody just needs just that. Andy, who needed more people this week? I mean, we're thinking this. Andy cut out on me a little bit here, so I'm going to go with my who needs more people. I'm going with it's got to be the answer. We're going with D'Angelo Russell. I mean, this dude. It's not, I'm not even I'm, I'm not even mad at him for snitching, um, which is which is the whole thing within itself. I'm mad at him because he thinks that uh, Snapchat videos are. He, he posted a 60 second video and then claimed it on Snapchat like we don't use Snapchat like we don't know those videos are 10 seconds or less. Come on, bro, yo, D'Angelo Russell. It's in so many ways this week. Well. We don't believe you. You need more people. And that is our show for this week. We are going to close like we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams. But first, I want to tell you to join us next week on our journey around the NBA. Um, like Jason White Chocolate Williams once said, once probably thought, basketball is a lot like last call at the bar, sometimes better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>